the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Grounded and Growing in Christ. I'm Dan Rhoda, a pastor of Worland Park Christian Reformed Church, and today we are going to open the Bible together to hear from God's Word. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. There you can learn more about this audio ministry. And we'd love if you'd consider providing financial support by making a gift of any amount. If you're not part of the local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Please turn with me in uh, your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll take a look at uh, verses 16 to 28. Let's remember as we hear this that this is God's Word. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Today we're going to be working through these final instructions, these really final series of instructions here, and I ask for you to remember as we took a look at this whole section of scripture, the controlling command that's directing what it is that's said here. Be at peace among yourselves. That's what 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 13 says. And then it's framed with a reminder that the God of peace keeps us. And so that means that this notion of peace is really a driving, a driving uh, theme behind everything that's going on here in this section of scripture. Peace. Peace. And so there are further ways here as the book of 1 Thessalonians comes to an end that calls us to, that call us to peace. We can be a people that are at peace when we have godly attitudes, and we can be a people at peace when we discern rightly the work of the Spirit, and we can be a people at peace when we understand where our peace comes from, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so first, in our brief time together today, we're going to be talking about godly attitudes. Verses 16 and 17 are probably the most famous of all of the book of First Thessalonians. They contain three commands All of which, if obeyed, will bring about peace in this congregation and peace in all of the ways that we interact with each other. 
Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. So let's start with rejoice always. This is not a command always to feel happy. This is not a command always to act bubbly or always have the ability to crack a joke or to clown around. It's also not a promise that your circumstances will always be good, that everything will go well for you so that you'll always have the type of life situation or scenario where it's easy to rejoice. We know that this is the case. We know that this isn't a promise that things will always be easy to rejoice because we know the context that the first Thessalonian book was written into, the context of the Thessalonian church. This was a church that was experiencing opposition and persecution and hardship at the hands of other members of the city. This was a people for whom it was a sacrifice to be a Christian because it meant that you would be opposed strongly, loudly. It meant that you would suffer. And into the suffering that the Thessalonian Christians were experiencing, Paul speaks a word from the Lord. Rejoice always. The time for rejoicing is always. Whatever you're feeling right now, rejoice. No matter who has harmed you, no matter who has wronged you, rejoice. No matter what disappointments you have felt or faced, rejoice. Regardless of the victories you have won, rejoice. If your home is tranquil and your career is steady and your schoolwork is done and your future feels secure, rejoice. But if you've lost friends or lost a job or failed a class or a relationship has ended or a loved one has gone, rejoice. If times are good, you can rejoice because things are good. But if times are tough, you can rejoice because the afflictions that you're experiencing are things that God nonetheless still uses to do good and to bring about good within you. God is doing something in the hard times. He's bringing about an eternal weight of glory within you. So how can you do this? How can you be the sort of person that rejoices always? Well, the first way is to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The way that the book of 1 Thessalonians begins is this way. Let me read from a couple of verses near the beginning of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 4, or 1, 4 through 6 says this, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and the Lord For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. He says at the very beginning of the letter, you Thessalonian Christians, you received the message of the gospel in the midst of affliction and you experienced the joy of the Holy Spirit throughout all of it. This reminds us that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, even in the midst of affliction or hardship, even when things are not right, There is an abiding joy that belongs to the one that is filled with the Spirit. And so be filled with the Spirit. And experience the joy that comes from being united to God. The other way that you can rejoice always is by remembering the end. Remembering the end. This is something that one commentator, Greg Beal, notes. The book of uh, Revelation, the end of the story of the Bible, is filled with rejoicing. And do you know why that is? Because God wins. 
because God wins. One of the things, and, and what Beale notes is that in, whenever there's a victory, it's the time where you can see the most rejoicing in the culture of which we are a part. Whenever there's like a, a sports victory, whenever your team experiences a victory, that's where you can see a lot of clear rejoicing because it's, it's, it's good and proper to rejoice when there is a victory, when someone has won. And I, re- I remember this really distinctly, the time where I can experience, or remember the most substantial or significant experience of like sports rejoicing happened in 2011, and it's when the Chicago Blackhawks were playing Vancouver, and it was, they'd gotten a game seven, and it was 1-0, the Blackhawks were losing, it was a power play for Vancouver, and, uh, and Jonathan Taves got the puck, and he went to the net, and on his knees he scored a goal, tying things up one-to-one, at that point I was certain the Blackhawks were going to win, my roommate and I were watching the game uh, in our seminary apartment, we, without problem, jumped up and embraced each other and jumped around the room together in full embrace because the Blackhawks had tied the game. Now, I think they lost in overtime, which was really disappointing. But nonetheless, for that period of time, for those two minutes, oh my goodness, there was so much rejoicing. Now, the rejoicing that is uh, promised the Christian is substantially greater than that. But it's a rejoicing that comes from victory, that comes from the fact that God wins. God wins. And so it may seem, it may seem improbable now, but God wins. It may seem, because it's the case, that things are not right right now, but God wins. And he will set everything aright. And in that we rejoice. In that we rejoice. Today's message on Grounded and Growing in Christ will continue in just a moment. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, to listen to other messages from our audio ministry, or to make a financial gift of any amount, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. That's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This audio ministry is made possible by gifts from listeners like yourself, and we greatly appreciate all those of you who continue to make it possible to share this work with listeners across Chicagoland. Now let's return to today's message. Rejoice always is the first command. The second is to pray without ceasing. Now, we, we here at Orland Park CRC are Reformed Christians. We have documents that help us to understand what it is that the Scriptures say. And one of those is the Heidelberg Catechism, which tells us that prayer is the chief way that Christians are called to respond in thankfulness for what it is that Christ has accomplished in us. That prayer is the chief part of our thankfulness. And that makes sense because the scriptures say that we should pray in unceasing fashion. That we should unceasingly pray. Now, I want to be clear about this. This isn't saying that prayer is the only thing that we should ever do. You shouldn't be wondering, well, why is the preacher preaching right now? He should be praying. He should be praying without ceasing. Why is it that we ever stop to eat? We should be praying. This isn't to say that the only thing you should ever do is pray, but it is to say that prayer should be a common, regular, everyday part and every moment part of of your life. It means that prayer should characterize your life. It means that you and I, people that trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we should be people of prayer. That if if someone was to say, "This this is what type of person? This is a praying type of person. It means that when things go well, that the natural response for us should be to breathe out even a brief prayer of thankfulness to the Lord, knowing that all good things come to us from Him. 
It means that whenever we experience disappointment or hardship or trouble, it means that our natural response should be to breathe a prayer that the Lord might sustain us, carry us through. It means that prayer should be the way that we are characterized. You should find yourself regularly praying. You should find at the end of the day that the day was framed with prayer and that talking to God was a regular part of your day. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. You see, in every circumstance, you can thank God. In fact, in every circumstance, (coughs) you must thank God. This reminds us again that our attitude of thankfulness and gratitude that should characterize us as Christians is not something that's confined to good times. And I'm not saying that you should thank God or that you must thank God for all circumstances. You, must, you need not thank God that someone has sinned against you, but you must thank God that in the midst of that circumstance that God is doing something in it and through it. You see, the Christian has a different relationship with the world than does anyone else. You remember the book of James and the famous words in the book of James, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. This is an interesting thing, isn't it? When you face trials, consider it joy. That's not something that we would expect. Those are not words that we would expect. Those are not natural words. Those are spirit-born words because the reality is that when we face trials, when we face hardships, the the way that we often tend to respond, because it's natural to respond in this way, is to be upset with this circumstance. Not to be joyful. And yet, and yet the Christian is to rejoice in the midst of trials and hardships because James says, because this produces endurance in your faith. So this is a good thing that you're experiencing this trial. You should be joyful in the midst of all of it. The Christian rejoices in trial and hardship because the Christian knows that God uses those times. In fact, it is the hard times that God uses most often to sanctify you in the most evident ways. It's the hottest fire that burns away the most impurities, and it's the same for us. And that means that we can give thanks in all circumstances, knowing that in good times there are things that are very clear and evident for us to give thanks for, but knowing that in the hard times God is doing something in you. He's doing something in your heart. He's making you more like, you, more like him. He's releasing your grip on the fallen world. He's fitting you for heaven. And this is why the apostles could rejoice that they'd been counted worthy to suffer persecution. This is why the Christian gives thanks in every circumstance. This is why the Christian can rejoice and pray and thank even when times are difficult. And we know that this command is not a command that comes from man. This is the will of God himself in Christ Jesus. And this is what the scripture says. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You might, you might think, as you hear about this, of the example of some Christians who have lived lives of thankfulness and gratitude have been willing to give thanks in all circumstances. And I think the clearest example of that is Corey and Betsy Tenboom. And I'd encourage you to read the book, um, the, book uh, the Hiding Place, because it's remarkable. But there's this one section 
where 1 Thessalonians is referenced. And so I want to read to you this brief period of the book to, to show us an example of Christians that lived this way. And it's beautiful. It's a story of when Corey and Betsy had been taken to, uh, to a really terrible concentration camp in Ravensbrück. They were in Barracks 28, and it was uh, the worst situation in which they had lived yet. They had been in concentration camps for, the, for a while, but this was the worst. So they got in, and they were put on their bunks, and the book says, and we lay back struggling against the nausea that swept over us from the reeking straw in our barracks. Suddenly I sat up and struck my head on the cross slants above us. Something had pinched my legs. Fleas, I cried. Betsy, this place is swarming with them. Here, and here another one, I wailed. Betsy, how can we live in such a place? Show us. Show us how. Betsy prayed. Always. Show us. Show us how. It was so matter-of-factly that it took me a second to realize that Betsy was praying. More and more, the distinction between prayer and the rest of life seemed to be vanishing for Betsy. Corey, she said excitedly, he's given us the answer before we asked, as he always does, in the Bible this morning. Where was it? Read that part again. I glanced down the long, dim aisle to make sure that no guard was in sight. Then, we drew the Bible, then I drew the Bible from its pouch. It was in 1 Thessalonians, I said. We were on our third complete reading of the New Testament since leaving the last concentration camp. In the feeble light, I turned the pages. Here it is. Comfort the frightened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. See that none repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. It seemed written expressly to us in Ravensbrook. Go on, said Betsy. That wasn't all. Oh yes, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's it, Corey, that's his answer, give thanks in all circumstances, that's what we can do. We can start right now and thank God for every single thing about this new barracks. I stared at her, then around the dark, foul-aired room, such as, I said, such as being signed here together. I bit my lip, oh yes, thank you, Lord Jesus such as what you're holding in your hands. I looked down at the Bible. Yes, thank you, dear Lord, that there was no inspection when we entered here. Thank you for all of these women in this room who will meet you in these pages. Yes, said Betsy, thank you for the very crowded room. Since we're packed so close, so many will hear. She looked at me expectantly. Corey, she prodded. Oh, all right, thank you for the jammed, crammed, stuffed, packed, suffocating crowds. Thank you, Betsy went on serenely, for the fleas and for the fleas. This was too much. Betsy, there is no way that even God can make me grateful for a flea, Corey said. Give thanks in all circumstances, she said. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are a part of this place where God has put us. And so we stood between tiers of bunks and gave thanks for fleas, but this time I was sure that Betsy was wrong. Back at the barracks, we formed yet another line. Would there never be an end to the columns and the weights to receive our ladle of turnip soup in the center room? Then as quickly as we could for the press of people, Betsy and I made our way to the rear of the dormitory where we could hold our worship service. Around our own platform area, there was not enough light to read the Bible, but back here, a small light bulb cast a yellow circle on the wall and ever larger group of women gathered during the following weeks. At first, Betsy and I called these meetings with great timidity, but night after night went by and no guard ever came near us and we grew bolder. So many now wanted to join us that we held a second service after evening roll call. There, under rigid surveillance, guards in their warm wool caps marching constantly up and down, 
It was the same center of the room of barracks, half a dozen guards, always camp police, always present, yet in the large dormitory room, there was almost no supervision at all. We didn't understand it. One evening, I got back from the barracks late from a wood-gathering foray outside the walls. A light snow lay on the ground. It was hard to find sticks and twigs with which a small stove was kept going in each room. Betsy was waiting for me, as always, so that we could wait through the food line together, and her eyes were twinkling. Well, you're looking extraordinarily pleased with herself, I told, I told her. You know, I never understood why we had so much freedom in the big room, she said. Well, I found out. That afternoon, she said there'd been a confusion in her knitting group about sock sizes, and they'd asked the supervisor to come and settle it, but she wouldn't. She wouldn't step through the door, and neither would the guards. And you know why? Betsy could not keep the triumph from his voice. Because of the fleas. The guard said, that place is crawling with fleas. My mind rushed back to our first hour in this place. I remember Betsy's bowed heads, just remembering to thank God for creatures that I could see no use for. Give thanks in all circumstances. And then the commands continue. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now these commands are all connected. You see, the spirit will always convict of sin, will always encourage you to obey the commands of the Lord. Prophetic words are always words to return to the Lord and to his ways, to repent of sin and to return to what is good. And so, one who quenches the spirit quenches peace and despises prophecy. And one does this whenever one encourages disobedience. Somebody quenches the spirit or despises prophecy when they tell you to pursue your own ways rather than God's ways, when they tell you that not all sin is bad or that certain sins are not all bad or that certain sins are good, whenever this happens, someone is quenching the spirit and despising prophecy. The spirit will always call us to obedience. Prophetic words always call us to return to the Lord. And so that means these commands are connected. And so when you hear any sort of teaching... Test it. Test everything is what the scriptures say. To make sure that it is good. Test it. When you hear a new teaching, test it. See if it is good. See if it is right. See if that teaching is encouraging you to hold fast to what is good and to avoid everything that is evil. Because one of the ways that you know that something comes from God, one of the ways that you know that a prophetic word is true, one of the ways that you know that something comes from the Holy Spirit is that it will encourage you to follow God's commands and to avoid the things that are evil. And if words are telling you not to avoid evil things, that means it's not coming from God. So test those words. There are all manner of teachings that can come that encourage you not to follow God's words. And when that comes, even if it sounds nice, it's not from God. It's not a word of prophecy. It's not from the Spirit. Test it. And if it's not from God, disregard it. And if it is, follow it and hold fast to what is good and avoid everything that is evil. And then as we come to the close of this section of Scripture, we're told what the source of peace is within the body of believers. We're told in verse 23 these beautiful words. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Isn't this beautiful? I always love reading the ends of epistles. 
The ends of these letters that were written oftentimes by Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the churches because they end with words of encouragement and grace. God is the God of peace. And this God of peace, whom you trust and follow, he will sanctify you completely. He will make your spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He can and he will do it. You see, because God saves, God sanctifies, and he does it by his power at the cross. He does it by his power through the resurrection. By his cross and his resurrection, he has saved you, he has redeemed you, and he will continue to hold on to you. He is a God of peace who in the midst of all of the swirling storms of life will continue to grant you joy and peace because he will continue to hold on to you. He is a God of sanctification who throughout all the evil of this life will continue to make you holy and righteous because he's a God who is doing something in you. He's making you like his son. He is a God who will keep you. And that means that there is nothing that you can do And nothing that anyone else can ever do to you that will ever draw you away from him. Because he's God. And he's got you. My prayer is that the Lord speaks to you through his word. That we cultivate grateful hearts to him and flourish in a world searching for the hope that we find only in Jesus. To hear more about gratitude, to learn about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, or to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160 through this audio ministry, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. I'm Pastor Dan Rhoda, and on behalf of the Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the Bible here on AM 1160. If you're not part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Grounded and Growing in Christ can be heard weekdays at 2 p.m. on AM 1160. I'm Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church. This month, we're focusing on the topic of gratitude throughout the Bible, exploring how God has instructed us to flourish in the world with hearts grateful and thankful to God. If you're not a part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.